think. Let me read it again. Proverbs 25, 14. Whoever falsely boasts of giving is like, a, is like clouds and wind without rain. What in the world does that have to do with giving? What does clouds and wind without rain have to do with boasting and giving? What do you think? You don't produce anything. You talk a big talk, but you're not producing anything. There's nothing to substantiate what you're saying. That's why this, this man is a proud man, a boaster. He's talking well about how he loves his neighbor and how um, he cares about those around him. But then you ask him, when was, when was the last time you actually sustained somebody in their need? When was the last time you actually showed mercy to somebody? When was the last time you actually helped somebody out when they were in need? And then they say, well, um, and it takes them a few minutes to think about it. And then maybe they, they, they say something ridiculous or something that happened five years ago. <laughs> um, but they really, they're, they're willing to talk about how much they love the people around them. But their talk is just like clouds and wind without rain. It looks like it's supposed to be something. It's those clouds, this weather, it's supposed to come with rain. But then the clouds go by, they don't give you any rain. <laughs> There's nothing to show for their claims. There's nothing to substantiate the things that they're saying. So, you can, so then you can conclude at that point that they're just speaking falsehood. They don't love the people around them. They're not merciful towards the needy. Um, they don't help their neighbor when they're in a time of need. doesn't matter how much they talk about love. doesn't matter how much they, they herald love because they aren't actually showing any. Um, so here we come to 1 John chapter, chapter 3. You know, I was thinking when yeah. you said that about the clouds and the rain. Mm -hmm. you know, in the 30s, it would do that all the time. Okay. Yeah, sure. Really interesting. Right. And, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 14, John tells us this. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Okay, so he's saying here in this first verse, we're going to read through several verses, but he's, he's making a very clear statement. How do you know that you have passed from death to life? He's talking spiritually speaking. How do you know that you've been brought to life by the Spirit? How do you know that through salvation, God has quickened your spirit and given you the love of God? How do we know? We love the brethren. Love the brethren. Now, he's not saying, what's the doctrine that saves you? Oh, everybody who says, oh, I love somebody, oh, you're saved. That's not exactly what he's saying here. But he's saying that if you want to say, talk about how much you love God and how you believe the gospel and how you've accepted Christ as your Savior, is that just talk? Just like the man who speaks good words but then doesn't produce anything? That man is a fool, that man is a liar. How do we know that we've passed from death to life? What's the rain that comes from the cloud? We love the brethren. 
we love the brethren. He says, he who does not love his brother abides in what? Death. He has not, therefore, passed from death to life. He remains dead. You can tell that a person is or is not a true believer by how he loves the brethren, or doesn't. And continue. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he talking about Jesus, this is verse 16, laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed or in truth. So what is he saying here? He's, he's giving you an illustration here of, of love. Search your own hearts to see whether this is true of you or not. First of all, he gives us the example of Jesus Christ. By this we know exactly what love looks like. What is the love that is to be shown? You know, okay, so we talk about, hey, I, I love you. Okay, well, how, how do you know? How did, Jesus lay, how did Jesus love us? According to verse 16, he laid down his life for us. He gave himself for us. He poured out his life for us. And then he says, and we ought also to lay down our lives for the brother. Now, is he saying that every single one of us, if you want to substantiate your claim to salvation, you have to die for the sake of somebody else? Is that what he's saying? You have to jump in front of a bullet for somebody else. Is that what, is that what John is saying here? That... In a similar manner to Christ, who laid down his life for us, we ought also to lay down our lives for others. Is he saying we have to all die in some, some heroic act, saving another person from death? Is that what he's saying? Yes or no? So what, what do you think he is saying? How are we, how, what does he mean by that we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren? Not willing, we need to do it. Because that's one of the problems I think that we in the church have. We're willing to do a lot of things, but that willingness is just the empty cloud. It's a cloud that says, you know what, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm set, I'm, I, I love people. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to serve other people. First. What? What? I say you still have to be willing first. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, but you can tell, you can prove the sincerity of somebody's willingness by whether they actually serve people or not. Exactly. You know, a lot of us are hearers and talkers. <laughs> we know what's right and therefore in order to justify ourselves, we say what's right. But then it never actually produces anything in our lives. It never produces any Christ-likeness in the way we interact with those around us. And one of the most clear ways that we can see that we have the love of Christ abiding in us is that that love is acting just like Jesus did, who gave himself, who loved him, who loved us and gave himself for us. Now, emptying ourselves, pouring out ourselves will look different because in each one of us because each one of us has a different sphere of influence. Each one of us has different gifts and abilities. Some of us are wealthy, some of us are not. 
Some of us have great skill, some of us do not. So, and we could keep going on about, you know, we could keep juxtaposing different abilities that we can pour out for the sake of other people. But the important thing is, each one of us has to be doing Christ-likeness, not just claiming it. Let's continue. Um, in verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So he's telling us this is a way that you can have assurance of your salvation. What? When you see your brother's need, you don't shut up your heart against him. You can't because the love of God abides in you. You can't shut up your heart against him. If you have, if you have the ability to help that person, because you know, he says, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need. Okay? If you have the ability to help somebody in need, if the love of Christ abides in you, it will be natural for you to just help them. It will be the love of Christ being shed out through, of your heart through your fingertips to help that person. You can't shut up your heart against them because that's not what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God does not shut people out. When he sees a need, he goes after them. That's why we see in Philippians chapter 2, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who then, as the passage progresses, essentially poured himself out even unto death so that he could bring many sons to glory. He didn't hold back. He didn't owe us anything. Just like most of the people that we see around us that are in need, we don't owe them anything. If we see a homeless guy on the street, I don't owe that homeless guy anything. He never did anything for me. He never did any work for me that I should pay him for. I don't owe him anything. Just like God doesn't owe us anything, but yet he gave us everything. So when we see those around us who are in need, it is not something that we can really do without much grief of the soul to turn that person away if we have the ability to help them. Let's continue. Verse 20, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So he's saying there a couple of things that I think we can glean from this. Um, we could talk about a few different things, but I want you to understand this, because one of the common fears in this loving way of life is if I give what I have, then I won't have anything. Then I'll be the person in need, right? If I am constantly serving the people around me, well, there's so many people around me that have needs. If I serve all of them, then I will then be the one in need that other people have to serve, and then I will become a burden on other people. But he's saying here, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. When you are seeking first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. This is a promise here. Do you have faith in this promise? Whatever, let me read it again. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And he's just now, he's in the middle of talking about loving your brethren who are in need. So if we are living out the love of Christ, did Christ ever, did Christ die of hunger? Did Christ walk around with no clothes? Did Christ 
You know, go without any of the basic necessities that anybody ever needs. No. And if we are walking as Christ walked, God will see to it that we have what we need. If we are loving the brethren, then he's going to give us the ability to love the brethren. And this is the, verse 23, and this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us command. So, we are looking to Jesus. See, he's here making a little clarification. Because there are a lot of people in this world that say that they're full of love. And there are a lot of people in this world that are doing a lot of good stuff. More than the church is, oftentimes. But they're not saved. They don't claim Christ. No, they claim their love from their own volition. They claim that they're, you know, anybody can be a good person. I don't need Jesus to be a good person. But he's saying here, this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. This love, if it's going to be blessed by God, this love, if it's going to give us confidence towards God, it must be... A, it must be fused with faith. It must be fused with faith in Christ. Because it's, and then, well, here, let me read verse 24. I think this might give a little clarification. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Okay, so when we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, way, the reason we have the strength and the power to love as Christ love is because God gives us the Spirit. The same Spirit that empowered Jesus Christ while He was walking the earth. The same Spirit by, by, which, by whose power Jesus did all of His miracles. By which Jesus served the masses, preached to the masses, loved on the masses, healed the masses, cast out the demons. He did that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, come and abides in us. And that spirit gives us this supernatural love that is not expressed or had because of our own strength, because of our own character building, not because of our own self-discipline. No, the spirit himself gives us the very love of God and puts it within our hearts. And the love of God is just like this, it's sun and light. The sun cannot not express light. If it did, then it would no longer be a sun. God cannot not express love. God cannot not express mercy. It's his nature to do so, just as much as it is the nature of the sun to give off light. And when we receive Christ, we in similar manner, because God at that point gives us the Spirit of God to abide, to, to fuse himself his soul to our soul, it now becomes nature for us to express love and mercy to other people. We cannot not love. That's why he, John is making the case here, this is something that should give us confidence that God, has, that God abides within us. Because we are taking upon ourselves the nature of God himself that he gives us through faith in Jesus Christ. And he substantiates this further in chapter 4. And we'll just spend a few minutes talking about this, but I just this this is just further substantiation of this point. It says in chapter four, verse twelve. Well, let's start in verse eleven. 
Um, well, verse 10. And this is, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. So right there he's saying again, if we love one another, that is the rain that falls from the clouds. That is a sign that God actually does abide in you because he's given you his nature. Um, He continues, by this, verse 13, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. He's saying the same thing in a different way. His love is perfected in us. God abides in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen in verse 14 and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever conf- Okay, so here he goes back to the beginning. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Okay, it starts there. It starts with faith. You have faith in God. You receive the love of God. That's number one. You receive his mercy, his forgiveness. You take it upon yourself. Because we love because he first loved us. So first, we must come into his love. The love that says, I sent you Jesus as a propitiation for my sin. I have sent Jesus to take away all your sins, to forgive you, to reconcile, to make you my son. Step number one, because we love because he first loved us. We start in God's love. And then verse 15 Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Verse 16, and we, and we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God. Okay, so we're in God now. We've received his love and God in him. Now God's love goes inside of us. It becomes one with us. And then he continues in verse 17 and 18. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So when the love of God is given to us and is expressed out of us to those around us, this fact gives us boldness that when we stand before God in judgment, we shall be secure. This is not saying that you should base your faith on your works. You base your faith on Christ's works, and that faith, the sincerity of that faith, is proven by you acting out the nature of God that he gives you at salvation. We cannot forget this fact about salvation, that when you're saved, you're not just forgiven. You're not just emptied and cleaned out of all your sins. No, you are then filled with God himself. And that filling is not just God just wants to hang out there. God lives his, his nature out through you. And that, he is saying, gives us boldness in the day of judgment. For when we have put our faith in Christ, God confirms our salvation by giving us the Spirit. That Spirit will live out in your hands. And that gives us boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. God substantiates our salvation for us and transforming us into his image. That's what he's saying here. Because as he is, so are we in this world. That gives us boldness. That God actually has come upon us. 
that God actually has filled us with His Spirit. Without being filled with the Spirit, no man, no man can be saved. When he, because the Spirit is called the seal of God, the the promise of God, the thing that gives us, um, what's the word? Um, I just talked about this last week, um, but it's the this, when God gives us the Spirit, He is saying, "Yes, you are mine." Because I'm not going to give my spirit to somebody who's impure. I cannot dwell in impurity. So when I give you this Holy Spirit to dwell within you, that means you're pure. That means you're pure. That means you are a perfect, righteous temple for my Holy Spirit. So when, the whole, when God sends you his spirit, that is him saying, you are pure, you are saved, you are redeemed, you are perfect. You are righteous because of Jesus Christ. But not only that, the spirit also works its nature out through us. And transforms us. But verse 18 it says. And this is, a, this is a verse that. Most of us know. But we don't interpret properly sometimes. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears. Has not been made perfect in love. What he's not saying there is. If you love somebody perfectly, then that makes the relationship all better. What he's saying is, if you have the love of God abiding in you, you have no fear of judgment. You don't have to fear the judgment. You don't have to think twice about what's going to happen after you die. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves torment. If you fear what's going to happen... Because you're fearing the torment that happens to the unbeliever. Because we know what happens to those who are not believers when they die. They dwell in torment. But when your love has been perfected by the Spirit coming upon you and living out His nature through you, there's no need to fear because God has substantiated your salvation by giving you His nature, by giving you His Spirit, by transforming you into the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ, who loved us, gave himself for us. So all the way back to the beginning, whoever has this world's goods, in verse, chapter 3, verse 17, and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? The love of God does not abide in those who do not have the love of Christ in them. Because that is the, the first thing that changes about us when we are filled with the Spirit. The first thing is that now we have a new love. The first thing is not, I overcome my addiction. The first thing is not, you know, all these different things go better for me. The first thing is, I have a new love that now I express to other people. Because now I have received God's love, and now I express God's love. So, um, I think that we're probably a little bit behind on that buzzer, but um, we can go ahead and pray and uh, fellowship a little bit before the service.